Welcome to The Spirit of Success, a podcast hosting honest conversations for people who want to show up and work in life to create their own limitless realities. Each week, we deliver spiritual inspiration from real people, sharing their stories about authentic living from the road less traveled. Now here's your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie. Hello, welcome to Spirit of Success, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie. I am so excited to have you on the show today. I get to introduce you to my guest, Candace Factor, who is somebody that I have just looked up to for such a long time. So if you've heard the podcast, we did an episode recently about feminine energy, which is that soft and strong And for me personally, I've wanted to find that balance between the feminine energy and the masculine energy. So just really quickly, that feminine is that soft and strong. Masculine is more of that discipline, more of that excellence. And I've been trying to find that balance in my life as I grow my own business. And then I got introduced to Candice Factor, and she is somebody who exudes a balance of that masculine and feminine energy. She just embodies it. And it's something that I haven't seen so often. And I knew I wanted to get to know her better and just be around her. And I was grateful to be a part of a small mastermind group with her, and which I've continued on. She was kind enough to be on the show and really share her journey coming to this country as an immigrant and then being a mother and working in one of the, you know, male dominated industries of technology. So she has such a fascinating story. You will want to listen to this interview. I have no, I just, I don't know what else to say. You will get so much out of it. And it's one of those ones that you'll probably have to hear time and time again, and you'll get more nuggets out of it. I was on a high after recording this and I cannot wait for you to hear. So please check it out. Candice, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I think I told you the first time that I met you in a smaller group setting that I was kind of fangirling you for a while. And that actually is true. So I like to tell everyone how we know each other. So I joined a mastermind group um, that you were running with Lindsay. And so I've got to spend a lot of time with you. And you are definitely one of the most inspiring people to me. So I wanted to start off by telling people a little bit about your background to save us some time. So if anything is incorrect, you tell me. So you were born in South Africa and you moved to Canada when you were 14. I also know your mom, (laughs) which is the coolest thing ever. But anyway, so I'm just going to start because you went to business school at Western School there. And then you took on a role of global GM and head of business at Wattpad? I did. I I spent a bunch of time in strategy consulting and um, corporate development for a new ventures for a media company. But yes, after that, I did that. Yeah. And for people who don't know what Wattpad is, it's a social strategy platform and like storytelling platform, I would say more so. And I think they were sold for 660 million. That's right something like that, some like huge number like that. And I think that was USD too, which is crazy. 
And there's some interesting things that I want to talk about in your life that happened after Wattpad. But just to keep going really quickly, you are a managing partner for Game Changer, which is how I really got exposed to you. And Game Changer is really about strategy, leadership, and innovation for companies to thrive in uncertain and complex times. So what a great thing to have given COVID last year. And we will talk more about Game Changer for sure. You're also a board member of Coveo which is a great AI um, company. You're a venture partner for Lobby Capital as well. And then your new baby is that you're co-founder of Disco, which I knew as Mastermind, but now it's Disco, which for people who don't know, it, it's really about helping creators build live virtual learning experiences that are social and engaging. And I think the coolest thing to like, to like really expand on that, it's, it's like Zoom and Slack and WhatsApp, like all in one, <laughs> which is cool. Cool. So that's your kind of like really, really quick background and history. But I think I want to share with our audience the thing that I am, that I love being around you. And we've talked about it on this podcast before is you have this insane ability to balance feminine and masculine energy. Thank you. Yeah. Which makes me feel so good on the inside because you're speaking to all of the parts of me. And so I guess my, and this is a very broad question and it might not be fair, <laughs> but how does one get to that point, given the fact that you have this background in tech, which is a very like, you know, masculine dominant kind of culture. And again, this might not be fair, but how did you find that balance A, within yourself and then able to bring that into where you work now? Well, first off, it's it's so great to be here, and uh, I'm equally inspired by by you and and the energy you know you share in this world, and it's been such a such a gift and such a joy to have you in our course uh, that we're running on Disco. So, first off, thank you, and thank you for having me here. Thank you. You know, it's such an interesting question, and I would say, you know, I think it's been a lot of experimentation and a lot of I haven't always had both of these traits at the same time uh, in my life. It was sort of a journey that I had to go on to find myself and my truth. And, you know, I would, I would say for the majority of my life, there was like an inner voice that was very feminine and an outer belief that felt I had to be very alpha. And, you know, in, you know, just my journey, which is a very typical journey, I think of like immigrant children is, you know, my parents left absolutely everything behind to come to a new country. And it wasn't an easy transition, you know, coming here and not coming from actually a very privileged background and then losing everything and, and sort of starting again was hard, but it was an incredibly powerful journey that, you know, we uh, had to go on. And in that journey, was where I really built the alpha skills, I guess, because it was very much uh, like a warrior kind of path. And what I mean by that is, you know, I just was super determined to change our circumstance, which was one that wasn't, wasn't bad, but it was like, I didn't have the safety net. I didn't have 
the financial safety net to not achieve, I guess, or at least that was my belief in my mind, you know, and I also had, you know, I, I had a belief set that achievement is, is very important. And I, I, to this day, I hold that belief, like, it's not that that belief has just left me. And so there was a lot of pushing boundaries, and just not accepting the, the norm for gender, that I think served me actually quite well. And, you know, I think part of that was actually my dad is a very entrepreneurial guy who just had no issue challenging status quo, right? Like his belief was if you're the garbage man or you're the CEO, you're a person. And like, I have every right to be here in this room and to pursue my path. And I was really encouraged to, you know, not let gender get in my way. And I was actually also kind of of necessity felt that like, I better like figure this out. And, you know, there were many years that I worked incredibly hard, but I actually wasn't very fulfilled. And I had a lot of, um, yeah, I always say this, like often people's like silver linings, right? In order to have a silver lining, right? In order to have been that alpha driven achievement oriented young person, was great. It was what was rewarded in society. It was about achieving and pleasing and selflessness and competitiveness. And on the outside, that that you can achieve a lot by being that way and by playing into society's norms. But on the inside, there's often like a dark intertwined underbelly behind that silver lining. And what what sort of showed up for me was after Wattpad, which was sort of the height of running, you know, I'd been running all my life. I got here when I was 14 and it was like one race from working after school to trying to get into the best university from the best university, trying to get into like the best, you know, job to have from that university, from doing that to going to like a venture backed startup. That's like a rocket. <laughs> yeah, gym. seriously. And, you know, I had two kids along the way. I, I, I started Wabad with like a three month old, a two year old. And I guess I was exhausted. Like I was completely burnt out and exhausted. And I looked at my life and I was just like, this alpha masculine stuff, like there's somebody inside that just isn't connecting with it anymore. And so the next part of my journey was really about exploring, I would say, my feminine side in a way that was like a healing journey around that dark underbelly of what that alpha human, you know, had to had to do in order to to do those things. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so interesting. And something that you mentioned is having kind of that disconnect and not really recognizing almost like some of the things you've created in your life, like on a deeper level. And you said something earlier about having like a feminine voice inside of you. Did you find that that voice got louder or like, how did you recognize that? Like, what was that time like? Because I think a lot of people can relate to that given what was last year and having to really look at that and ask themselves the same question, me included. I think one of the core shifts in my belief system was when I was growing up and also in the early parts of my career, I believed that in order to achieve, you needed to do whatever it takes, right? And we were get told that a lot, right? Like the grit and the resilience and the like, you know, just the in, the warrior of life, yeah, right? The and grind. The grind. And there's power in that to a degree. But 
along the way, there was something that I just never believed or understood, which was, huh, taking care of yourself, the mothering of self, right? Which I think is innately feminine, right? This notion of being well, of, of caring for and listening and the intuition of like what's going on internally is an essential ingredient in order to be able to do anything, right? Or what you risk is burnout. And I, I actually would argue that like I had burnout. Like after Wattpad, I was completely, completely burnt out and disillusioned and and just really unhappy. It was really in the feminine of like leaning in and learning. And it was like new skills that I had to learn around self-care, around healing what was hurting, around reimagining life. Like what if life didn't need to be as hard or as striving or as selfless, right? It was like, well, actually, what happens if you, the number one person you need to take care of is yourself so that you can take care of all these other people. And I think that's this like very small shift that's so powerful in the way I, I landed up changing my life which was, huh, what do I need in order to be my very best self so that I can not actually achieve, but be in service of all these different people and and things I want to do. And so it was like this move from like conquering to being in service of, and this move from at the expense of to actually to sort of really investing in that was like profoundly impactful in the next you know journey of my life well and you said like it's such a small thing and in some ways it's not because what a paradigm to break right that feminine of like you know you have to be there for the family you sacrifice for your family you do everything for everybody else I know I felt that really strong and then add like healthcare provider on top of that it was like this double whammy of kind of like societal pressure to do that. So for you to have that moment of, I'm going to take care of me, is that something that you intuitively felt led to? And what was that process actually like? And you don't have to give us details, but like- I am fine to. I mean, I, I left Wattpad in 2016 and it was super clear to me that like I could not continue on the path that I was on. And I did something that most people don't do and I highly, highly encourage it, which is I sort of took like a midlife gap year, I guess is the way I would. A sabbatical. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and ironically, it wasn't that I didn't earn, I needed to earn a living. So just so like, for me, it wasn't an option not to work, but the jobs that I'd always been attractive to were in service of my ego. It was like, how big of a role is it? How difficult it is? Is it? How hard is it to to have that title or to be that thing? And I'd always had these incredible roles, right? And brands. And I just remember being like, the last thing I want is another big thing. And so I said, I'm going to give myself two, I have two principles by which I'm going to live the next year. One is I'm going to get really curious about this person inside of me versus outside. And I'm going to get actually curious about what's happening in the world. So I'm somebody who's just a very curious person. My word that year was curiosity. And what that meant for me is that I will not take a job as 
formerly known as a job. I don't mind, you know, doing advisory work. I don't mind helping people. But what I need to do is create enough. I needed space. I needed to be able to see the forest for the trees. And as somebody who had been actually in tech for a very long time and always come from a strategy place, I, I like thinking in a very meta way. I understood that I'd been so like laser focused on operating a business that I needed to like step back and understand and see things. And I also, you know, just knew that internally, like I just wasn't feeling good. This life was not working for me. And most people are terrified to do that. And I remember the first party I went to at a time where we used to go to parties and somebody asking me, you know, what do you do? And it was the first time in my life where I was like, I don't know what I do. <laughs> you said that to them? Yeah. Well, I, I said it to myself and I kind of said, yeah, I think I said it to them as well. I was like, wow, uh, I don't know right now. And it was so vulnerable and it was so naked and it was so incredibly undressed is the way I would think about it. And it was the most powerful experience because instead of the response being like, oh, well, that's weird. It was like, tell me more. (laughs) Lean in. Yeah. So curious. And and I think for me, that journey of getting rid of the need to hide behind like evidence of ego and, and like who I was, was like the most healing journey because I found myself and I no longer, it took a while, but I no longer was wrapped up in this this model that was maybe good for industrialism and capitalism and a whole bunch of things that, but that wasn't really good for me at that time. Yeah. So separating you from the real you, from the pressures that we have on who we should become and why we should do these things. I think that's really important. And what you, you just mentioned something that's hugely vulnerable I don't know how many people would actually have the courage to say that. Like, I don't know, especially given where you came from. Was vulnerability something that you kind of leaned into willingly or is that something that you you found kind of happened and you just kind of fell into it? I mean, I think inside I've always had an honesty or a pursuit of truth, I guess, is the way I would frame it. Um, that's kind of led me to be vulnerable and to make choices that aren't always what society wants. So even though, for example, I took a more traditional path in my career, I took a non-traditional path in marrying, you know, a filmmaker. And, you know, my husband's amazing. And there's no ways I could have sort of done some of the roles I'd done had I not chosen him as a partner. And that took, that was like really vulnerable and also really in pursuit of my own truth because I, it was the first relationship that felt different for me. And I followed that feeling. That being said, there were many years where I was, you know, questioning like the scarcity and the hardness of the situation I put myself in, you know, like I could have had such an easier life had I, like I, I was really in scarcity, like for many, many years, right? nothing's ever enough, constantly striving. And, you know, it's a real balance because some of that strife, you know, accelerated me forward and made me do hard things and built certain muscles that were incredibly 
valuable muscles to build. Like I don't, like I, I know I often talk about the duality of things. Like there were some incredibly, incredibly profound transformations that the journey I went on yielded. And then there were like, you know, you hear the the expression of like um, minimal returns after a certain point in, you know, time, like diminishing, diminishing, diminishing returns, returns yeah. right? And there's also, you know, this concept that I, I really do believe is that like, what got me there wasn't going to get me to the next place. And like the biggest thing around that for me was when you're young in your career, and so you can be any age, but early in your career, like it's really helpful to have people who are highly motivated and, you know, go above and beyond and actually are curious and are innovative and, and do want to solve problems and don't just want to be told what to do. And that's super powerful. And that was me. Like I was a real, like, let's think about this differently. Let's, let's do it. Like I was a very, I was a great young, motivated and eager person. But when it came to leading others and leading people, and I was put in leadership roles very, very early in my career, everything was the end of the world. Like there was no calm. I mean, it was the end of the world if something went wrong. It was the end of the world if it wasn't done perfectly. It was the end of the world. And I looked at some of these people who I really, really respect. And I said, they're just so calm. I don't understand how they're not panicked if it doesn't go right. And it was the scarcity. Like I lived in fear and I lived in trauma in a lot of ways. And sometimes that can produce great results, but at a certain point that is no longer helpful. And so what happened for me was I knew deep down inside that there was some wiring. There was something about my journey in life that was traumatic and that's okay. Like, like coming to grips with this notion that like we all have our own journeys is really, really powerful. And then learning that actually my job is to heal what wasn't serving me anymore. And on the other side of it was like pure gold because the truth is I no longer am tethered to that mindset or that way of being as a leader. And what that afforded me was this incredible calm and courage actually to do things that are really difficult because I no longer was a ping pong ball of circumstance, but was able to have this very, very Zen slash stoic view of like focusing on what I can control and really like learning to untether to what I couldn't. But if you told me that I would be able to do that, you know, when I was like just leaving Wattpad, no way you know, and it's not, I'm, I'm making it sound much easier than I find it is. Like sometimes it's hard, but I know what, how I have those tools now. I have a different toolkit. And I think that is very feminine. And I think it's very powerful to have that just intuition and wisdom and, and empathy, mm-hmm. right? Because when you mm-hmm. have empathy, you're less critical in, in some ways you can see that it's wrong and it's, it just is and you move on. Yeah, I love that. Oh my God, I love everything you said. And especially the empathy part, because I think a lot of people think it's like soft, but it's like soft and strong, you know, like it's and for me. It's not like, oh, it's like, or, because we talk about this in Game Changer all the time about and and not or, which is that kind of going back to that duality concept, which we talk about all the time. And a concept that I've also learned from you is you talk a lot about space 
And it seems like as, cause you're this visionary leader, like, I feel like you could take anyone's vision and just like make it real. You know, I've heard that about you before many times. And I honest to God, believe it because you have that, that balance within you, but you talk about space. And this is like one of the like last things I know we do have to wrap, but I would love for you to really expand on that concept because in the call that we had just a few weeks ago, you asked, what does everybody need? And everyone talked about this retreating and this space concept. So I would love for you to kind of share what 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 that's done for you and how you view space now. So first off, thank you. I mean, I I really appreciate your lovely and kind and generous words. And I'm getting as much from you as, as you are from me in, thank you. in our group. So thank you. So space is a is a really interesting concept because it actually was what changed me, right? By taking space in my life and by having like, just a, for me, it was a period of time at first to sort of like see things. Like, first of all, you need, in order to see, you need space, right? It's very, very hard to see when things are moving really, really quickly. Sometimes you just, it's like, you know, when you shake up like a, a bottle and there's like all these bubbles you can't and then all of a sudden everything just like settles right so like think about space like that think about space in the sense of response to stimulus so there's a incredible book that i'm going to recommend it it's most probably if i recommend one book in, in if, and that's a big thing it's called man's search for meaning and it's it's a book written by victor frankel who studied the psychology of people in the holocaust And what he studied is why were certain people able to take this very traumatic and difficult experience and use it to survive and escape? And why did others sort of just give up or, you know, go to the other side or any of those things? One of his very, very powerful sayings that is like 100% a part of my growth was between stimulus and response there is space and in our space is the freedom to choose our response. And the reason I was so triggered, you know, so many years ago is like, I just had no space in my life. Like I I didn't know how to cultivate that in my mind. My mind was always racing. I didn't have a lot of free time. I didn't create space. I thought space was like for suckers. You know what I mean? Like I thought (laughs) like a lot of people think that was like, you know, but it's amazing when you actually cultivate space and space isn't retreating, right? It's not even like taking a vacation. It could be just carving out an hour in your morning to just sit and meditate or to do a yoga class or to think about the work you're doing and to actually create space to see your life, right? So the idea of space is that your responses won't be as triggered. Like you transcend your emotions. And that's another really interesting concept by, um, you know, Michael Singer has a really, really great book called The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment, where, where he talks a lot about recognizing that you are not your emotions. And I didn't even know that was possible even a few years ago. I was like, if somebody told me that, I'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? But it was this like powerful re or unlearning that like, when I'm really angry or triggered, that isn't me. That is just like my emotions trying to deal with something that is making me scared. And so if I can separate my emotional state from sort of me, I am able to see things in a more calm manner. And I think 
the piece of space is also it allows you to see what is in your control, what is out of your control. And I have just completely laid to rest this idea that I can control things that I can't, you know, and I think that's why my firm, which is focused on the intersection between innovation, you know, strategy and leadership, I really honed in on this concept even pre-COVID, which was how do you thrive in uncertainty and how do you create, you know, strategy and business in a complex and uncertain world? And for a lot of people, it's really hard to recognize and, and the humility of understanding how little we actually control. Wow. I love that. And there's so many things I want to like go down, but I'm just going to finish with two quick questions. The first question is, given all that you've told us, what is your relationship to success like today? Just incredible gratitude and a definition of success that's very different than what it, it maybe is for others. So society wants to tell you that success is a certain thing. And I guess for me, like I found my peace, my abundance, my success outside of what society told me. It was about pursuing my own journey and creating a sense of self and, and a life that really filled me up. And, you know, there, there was a lot of experimentation on that road and it wasn't a road well traveled, but it was very much about pursuing creative projects that were purposeful and were coming from my heart and my head and you know really being mindful of not having just one part of my life incredibly successful at the expense of others so for me you know my definition of success is doing meaningful and purposeful work with amazing people you know, that checks the boxes on so many fronts for me, whether it's Game Changer, Lobby Capital, and Disco, really spending time and being present with the people I love. And I love what COVID kind of did, right? It's like our family unit has never been stronger because we were forced to be together, <laughs> like deeply be together, you know? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's about health and wellness and sort of like really being in connection with my body, which, you know, I've, I've definitely during COVID has been hard, but I'm sort of finding my way back to that. And ultimately looking back on my life and saying, you know, I don't have any regrets. Like I, I tried the things that I wanted to try and I, I impacted people's lives in the way that I'm proud of, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing more important for me than you know, one, my following my truth, and then having a, a positive impact on the people I, I would like to have a positive impact on. And also, even if I didn't want to have a positive impact on you, I, I would, I really am mindful, especially today around like the unintended consequences of our actions and taking responsibility for my impact on others too. It's not always going to be perfect, but it's something I think about. It's like I live I try and live in alignment with my beliefs and I, it's through experimentation. Sometimes you don't. And if you don't, you just course correct. So much there. Um, if people want to find out more about Disco, Game Changer, Lobby Capital, or just you in general, where's the best way for them to contact you or reach out to you? So you can reach me uh, at Candice at GameChanger.co. 
we actually run a learning community and a live stream series uh, with some amazing people. Seriously, yes. So you can check it out. There's there's wonderful um, interviews. We also have a newsletter, which is Game Changers newsletter. You can sign up on the site. If you're interested in the future of live learning and running workshops, challenges, or cohort-based live courses, you can check out Disco, www.disco.co. And you can find me on Twitter, Candice Factor, F-A-K-T-O-R. That's me. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's such an honor to speak to you. And we'll see everybody again. Bye. I love that interview. I think you can feel how much I just I, I just enjoyed that. Like it was just such an honor and privilege to interview Candace and you couldn't see but she was in her beautiful backyard so I had a view. <laughs> um, Candace, thank you so much for being on the show. I am so grateful to be a part of your community and know you on an individual basis. Like I said in my intro, Candace is one of those people that really embodies that masculine and feminine energy in such a dynamic way. It kind of reminds me of Oprah because she brought these, you know, feminine qualities to, you know, television and interviewing and it wasn't done that way, you know, and she took a risk and then she became really well known and she kind of changed the whole industry. She didn't kind of, she changed the whole industry. And, you know, I see that same thing for Candace, really changing the way we do business in the future. Um, and I think we're on the like brink of that right now. And Candace is an innovator as am I. So I cannot wait to see what happens in the like future and what change we can both be a part of. So this one was so fun for me. I got, you know, it was such a, it was such an honor and privilege. And I know that you also got benefit from it too. So if you know of someone that could benefit from it, please send it to them. And like I said, you will have to hear it over and over again and you will get more nuggets, especially when she talked about space. It's a concept we talk about um, very often in our masterminds and we just keep peeling back the different layers of it. So it's a, such a rich concept. Also, if you loved this content and this episode, please leave us a uh, five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it very much. I could keep fangirling about her, but I won't. <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to me to have you here. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And until next week, be well, stay well. Stay well.